Welcome to this week's podcast from the Equipping Church. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Jacob as well. Turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3 verse 17. We're starting a new series today, The God of Restoration. The God of restoration. And I want you to know something, that when God brings restoration, He doesn't take you backwards, He takes you forward into something better. And I want to prophesy to the equipping church this morning that we are stepping into a season of restoration where God is not taking us backwards, He's taking us forward, and there's going to be a culmination of the former rain and the latter rain. Acts chapter 3 verse 17, And now, brethren, I know that you acted in ignorance just as your rulers did, but the things which God announced beforehand by the mouth of all the prophets that His Christ would suffer, He is thus fulfilled. Therefore repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that, and here's the prophetic word for you this morning, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. I want to prophesy this morning that we are stepping into some times of refreshing unprecedented for this house and for your lives. That there is a time of refreshing coming upon you this morning. Amber, you need to hear this. You are in a time of refreshing where the Spirit of God is going to begin to visit you in your bedroom and you're about to experience an outflow of the presence of God unprecedented for your life. We are stepping into a time of refreshing. God is restoring back to His people, and this I want to keep reading, that He may send Jesus, the Christ appointed for you, verse 21, whom heaven must receive until the period of restoration of all things about which God spoke by the mouths of His holy prophets from ancient times. God is restoring back to His people what is referred to as the all things. We are in a season of time where God is restoring back to His people. Turn in your Bible to Jeremiah 33. This is going to be the second passage that we're going to look at. I was sitting uh, in Tomball, Texas last night, and I was there for a conference just to receive. And when I walked into the building, I heard the Lord say, Jeremiah 33. And I I wrote it down in in my notebook here. And I honestly had forgotten that I'd already put it in my notes. I honestly forgot. I forgot that I'd put it in my notes. And so I wrote it down here in, in this, this great little thing that Hector brought me from Mexico. I love it. Um, Jeremiah thirty three eleven. There shall be, and I'll read it out of the Bible here. There shall be a voice of joy restored. There shall be a voice of joy restored. So Jeremiah 33, but we're going to start in verse 1. And, and we're going somewhere this morning. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the second time while he was still confined in the courtyard of the guard, saying, This is what the Lord says. He who made the earth, the Lord who formed it to create it, he whose name is the Lord, call to me and I will answer you, and I will tell you great and mighty things which you do not know. We love preaching that verse. How many have ever heard that verse preached before? Call to me and I'll answer you, and I'll show you great and mighty things which you do not know. But you have to keep reading to find out what those things are. For this is what the Lord God of Israel says concerning the houses of this city and concerning the houses of the kings of Judah, which have been torn down to make a defense against the assault ramps and the sword. 
While they are coming to fight the Chaldeans and to fill their houses with the bodies of people whom I have struck down in my anger and my wrath, and I have hidden my face from this city because of all their wickedness. Verse 6, Behold, I'm going to bring to it healing and a remedy, and I will heal them, and I will reveal to them an abundance of peace and truth. And I will restore the fortunes of Judah and the fortunes of Israel, and I will rebuild them as they were at first. And I will cleanse them from all their wrongdoing by which they've sinned against me, and I will forgive all their wrongdoings by which they've sinned against me and revolt against me. It will be to me a name of joy, praise, and glory before all the nations of the earth, er, the earth which will hear of all the good that I do for them. And they will be frightened and tremble because of all the good and all the peace that I make for it. I want to keep reading in verse 10. Thus says the Lord, Yet again there will be heard in this place of which you say, It is a waste without man and without beast, that is, in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem that are desolate, without man and without inhabitant and without beast. Verse 11, The voice of joy, the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the voice of those who say, Give thanks to the Lord of hosts, for the Lord is good, for His loving kindness is everlasting, and of those who bring a thank offering into the house of the Lord. For I will restore the fortunes of the land as they were at first, says the Lord. Here is your key in this season to your breakthrough and your restoration. You need a voice of joy. We have been in a season of depression and oppression in the body of Christ and in this nation. And you want to get restoration in this season, you need to begin to have a voice of joy. You need to begin to prophesy over your situations with a voice of joy. The second is the voice of gladness. The voice of gladness. God is going to cause out of us in this season a voice of gladness. Where we are going to begin to speak with gladness in our mouth. The third thing is the voice of the bridegroom. Who is the bridegroom? Our Lord Jesus. As we begin to speak the words of Christ over our situations, we're going to begin to see restoration. And the voice of the bride. You are the bride of Christ. As you begin to speak as the bride of Christ, you're going to begin to see restoration. The voice of those who say, Give thanks to the Lord of hosts, for the Lord is good, for His loving kindness is everlasting. If we ever needed thankfulness in the body of Christ, it is in this season. We should be rejoicing over what took place on Friday. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. A genocide has been attacked in our nation. We have taken a step. Now let me tell you, I rejoice to a degree because there's far more work to be done. The overturning of a law is not enough. I need you to hear this this morning. You cannot legislate morality. Okay, so the law was overturned. Hallelujah. But what are we going to do about those moms who now have babies they don't know how to take care of? What are we going to do about all of the situations, about the women who now feel like they do have to go into a back alley to get an illegal abortion? We, we cannot legislate morality. Morality starts with the transformation of the soul, which happens through the public preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is not turn or burn. It is the goodness of God that leads man to repentance. That's not in the message this morning, but I needed to say it. Here's the, the next key. And those who bring a thank offering... We've already done the offering and tithes this morning, so this is not manipulation. But I want to say to you this morning, if you ever needed to start giving out of thankfulness, it's this season. 
You need, to, you need to start bringing thank offerings before the Lord. We need to be in a season, I believe prophetically, that we need to start sowing seeds of thankfulness into what God is going to do. Amen. We need to start sowing in advance of the restoration. Because that was a key here. For I will restore the fortunes of the land as they were at first. Some of you have been sowing begrudgingly and out of a place of obligation. You've been tithing out of obligation. Listen, I believe in the tithe. We are faithful tithers, but I don't tithe out of obligation because of the law. I tithe out of love and out of thanksgiving for what he has already done and what he's already promised me because what he did at the cross already accomplished everything. So I'm not tithing out of obligation. I'm tithing out of thankfulness because it's a principle I live by because you already paid the price. And it says, And those who bring a thank offering into the house of the Lord, for I will restore the fortunes of the land as they were at first. This is a remarkable promise. It's a promise of health. It's a promise of healing an abundance of peace and truth, a promise of the restoration of the fortunes. Now I want you to note this remarkable statement. He says, I will rebuild them as they were at first. You know, the promise of restoration invades all aspects of Scripture. God promises the children of Israel, I'm going to restore you back to your land after they were taken into slavery. He says, I'm going to take you back to the place that I first promised you all the way in the beginning. Some of you have been in a wilderness season, and God is saying, I'm going to take you back to the land of promise, which I promised you at the very beginning. Amen. There was a promise of restoration of Joseph to his vision. Joseph had to go through everything he went through because he had to maintain good heart so that when he got to the palace, he wouldn't be given over to the laws of Pharaoh, but he'd be ruled by the law of God. So when we go through the wilderness season, when we go through the pit, when we go through the prison, when we go through those things, it's always with this idea that God will restore. He will restore. The restoration of Moses to his position of political leadership. When we look at the life of Moses, we see that God trained him in the house of Pharaoh so that he then could lead the children of Israel. There are things and there are seasons that you've gone through that you have lost, but God is restoring us back to that place and even better. In the New Testament, Acts chapter 15, verse 16 and 17. After these things I will return, and I will rebuild the tabernacle of David which has fallen, and I will rebuild its ruins, and I will restore it so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord and all the Gentiles who are called by my name. God is restoring us in this season to a place we've never been before. Well, how do we go backwards to a place we've never been before? That's the thing about God's type of restoration. It doesn't take us back. It takes us to the same principle and makes it better. And then, of course, we come to the great book of restoration, the book of Joel. And it begins with a lament. It begins with a weeping. It begins with a talking about in Joel chapter 1. It says this, what the gnawing locust has left, verse 4, the swarming locust has eaten. And what the swarming locust has left, the creeping locust has eaten. And what the creeping locust has left, the stripping locust has eaten. Awake, you heavy drinkers, and weep. And wail, all you wine drinkers, because of the sweet wine, for it has been eliminated from your mouth. For a nation has invaded my land, mighty and without number. Its teeth are the teeth of the lion, and its jaws of a lioness. So it talks about desolation. It talks about what the locusts have stolen. How many of you felt like in the last few years some locusts have eaten from your land? Yeah, 
I think we could all say, whether it's been health things, whether it's been financial troubles, whether it's been relationship issues, whether it's been not having the promises you've been believing for, we have been in a season where the locusts have eaten. And what one locust didn't eat, another locust ate. But Joel goes on and he describes this in detail, the destruction. But then chapter 2 sounds out with great prophetic clarity. Joel chapter 2 verse 1, Blow a trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming. Indeed, it is near a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness, as dawn is spread over the mountains. So there is a great and mighty people. You need to hear this. This is describing you in this hour. So there is a great and mighty people. I want you to say this this morning. I'm a great and mighty. I am great and mighty. There has never been anything like it, nor will there be again after it. To the years of many generations, a fire consumes before them, and behind them a flame devours. The land is like the Garden of Eden before them, but a desolate wilderness behind them, and nothing at all escapes them. Their appearance is like the appearance of horses, and like war horses, so they run. With a noise as of chariots, they leap about on the tops of mountains, like the crackling of a flame of fire consuming the stubble, like a mighty people drawn up for battle. Before them the people are in anguish, all faces turn pale, they run like warriors, they climb the walls like soldiers, and each of them marches in line, nor do they lose their way. I want you to hear that this morning, they do not lose their way. You will not lose your way in this season. You will not lose your way in this season. They do not crowd each other. Every warrior of them marches in his path. When they burst through the defenses, they do not break ranks. They storm the city. They run on the wall. They climb into the houses. They enter through the windows like a thief. Before them, the earth quakes. The heavens tremble. The sun and the moon become dark and the stars lose their brightness. The Lord utters his voice before his army. His camp is indeed very great for mighty is one who carries out his word. The day of the Lord indeed is great and very awesome and who can endure it? This is speaking prophetically of a people that God is raising up in this hour to be a mighty people, to see the kingdom of darkness pushed back and the kingdom of light manifest in the earth. God is coming with His army to bring restoration. And here's the thing, it climaxes with this great passage that brings the entire principle of restoration to our very day. Yet even now, verse 12, declares the Lord, Return to me with all your heart and with fasting, weeping, and mourning, and tear your heart and not merely your garments. Oh, that we would tear our hearts and not merely our garments. That our fasting would not be an appearance only, but it would be the rending of our heart before the Lord. Now return to the Lord, for He is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in mercy, and relenting of catastrophe. Who knows, He might turn and relent and leave a blessing behind Him, resulting in a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. And here's the promise, But I will remove the northern army far from you, and I will drive it into a dry and desolate land, its advance guard into the eastern sea, and its rear guard into the western sea. And its stench will ascend, and its odors of decay will come up, because it has done great things. So shout for joy, you sons of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. For He is giving you, oh, here it is, He is giving you the early rain for your vindication. 
and he has brought down for you the rain. The early and latter rain is before. The threshing floors will be full of grain, and the vats will overflow with new wine and oil. Then I will compensate you for the years that the swarming locusts have eaten. Do you hear that, Judy? He's getting ready to compensate you for the years that the locusts have eaten. The swarming locust is eating the creeping, the stripping, the gnawing locust. My great army which I sent among you, you will have plenty to eat and be satisfied. And you will praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you. Then my people will never be put to shame. So you will know that I am the midst of Israel and that I am the Lord your God and there is no other and my people will never be put to shame. And then he says, and it will come about after this that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind and your sons and your daughters will prophesy your old men will have dreams and your young men will see visions and even on the male and female servants I will pour out my spirit in those days so all of that to say this that there is a promise of a mighty outpouring of the Spirit of God, that all that has brought destruction, all that has brought death, all that has brought disease, all that has brought suffering, you shall have restoration. John 10.10, 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus is promising in effect to reverse all the destructive forces of the enemy that has occurred in our lives. God is looking ultimately to restore us to that place that Adam and Eve enjoyed perfect relationship and connection with God. Nothing hindering, nothing to hide, no lies, no deception, perfect fellowship. There are areas of your life I'm prophesying that you've had to hide away because you've been afraid of the Lord finding it. But here's the truth. He already knew it. He knew the end from the beginning. And in this season, you're about to get set free from those things that have held you back from walking in unbroken relationship with God. And the fruits of that, perfect health, unity, inner joy, and peace. I want to say to you this morning, I believe that we're about to see the church walk in the fruit of the Spirit like never before. I love the gifts, but it's time for the fruit. It's time for joy. It's time for peace. It's time that some of us have some long-suffering and patience. Hallelujah. One of the greatest pictures of of restoration that I see in the Bible is in Haggai the prophet who oversaw the rebuilding of Solomon's temple after its destruction by the invading armies. I'm covering a lot of ground scripturally because for the next several weeks we're going to hit it and we're going to hit it hard. Haggai chapter 2 verse 1. On the 21st of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shetiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people saying, Who is left among you who saw this temple and its former glory and how do you see it now does it not seem to you like nothing in comparison but now take courage Zerubbabel declares the Lord take courage I want to say to you this morning take courage also son of Jehozadak the high priest and all you people of the land take courage declares the Lord and work for I am with you declares the Lord of armies as for the promise which I made you when you came out of Egypt my spirit remains in your midst 
Do not fear, for this is what the Lord of the army says. Once more in a little while I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth and the sea also in the dry land. I will shake all the nations and they will come with the wealth of all nations. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of armies. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of armies. The latter glory of this house will be greater than the former, says the Lord of armies. And in this place I will give peace, declares the Lord of armies. Now, whether you interpret this as the literal restoration of the temple or you see it as the New Testament church, which is now the temple, the promise remains the same. The latter glory of this house will be greater than the former house. Or in Joel's term, the early rain and the latter rain. A dual outpouring upon God's people. We are about to experience double. I'm prophesying double. The principle that we look to, we believe for, we anticipate that what we experience today and into our future must be greater than anything we've experienced previously because it is the former and the latter reign. It is the latter glory that Haggai speaks of. See, I believe the church makes a mistake when they say, oh, if we could only experience church like we used to experience, if we could only have the outpouring like Azusa Street, if we could only have what we had at Brownsville or in Toronto. But let me say, that was the former reign. We are stepping into an hour today where we're not going to just have the former rain. We're going to have the latter rain. Greater glory, greater miracles, greater transformation, and greater outpourings of the Spirit. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. Our life seems to contradict these promises. We seem to have the idea of what should happen, and yet we typically live in a contradiction. We typically experience the opposite to the ideas. We're not healed. We're not financially blessed. We, as we thought, we're not as free or as healed within as we'd hoped. And that's where disappointment seeks to find a root in your heart and build a forest. But you see, the gap between what we experience now and the ideal of what we see is actually where faith operates. Faith that holds to the character and nature of God. And I believe more than ever before God wants to deal with unbelief in our hearts. He wants to deal with the disappointment in our hearts. Romans 4.17 As it is written, a father of many nations have I made you. In the presence of him whom he believed, even God who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. We are going to begin to live in that reality that He calls into being that which does not exist. We speak of that which is not yet seen. We are exhorted all throughout Scripture to have faith in God. And I believe that in this hour, wherever there is a gap, is where we need greater faith in this hour. Restoration comes through the process of faith. It comes through the working of our faith. Whenever there's a gap in our lives, we have to begin to examine, do I actually believe God for that promise? Or am I living in an alternate universe where I have the idea that it could happen, but I don't actually believe that it could happen? Because by faith, 
Abraham possessed the promise. By faith, all of the great patriarchs and matriarchs, they possessed their promises by faith. Wherever there was a gap, they lived from a reality. I may not see it today, but I know that it will come to pass. I know that God's character and nature remains the same. And if He said it, He will do it. And so I've got to begin to examine those places in my heart where I've had disappointment. I have to begin to look inward and say, God, what is it in me that keeps me from believing? Because you haven't changed. You haven't moved. You haven't stopped. You aren't changing. You have never changed. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if you haven't changed, what's happened in me to keep me from possessing the promises? I think that many times we put the onus on God for not moving. And we have created accusations in our heart against God. Well, God, you haven't done what you said you would do. Well, that's not the truth. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But he came that we might have life and that more abundantly. So if there's a gap in our lives, we have to begin to examine what are the blockages that are keeping me from possessing the promise? What are the things that are holding me back? That's something that I will say the early church understood well. That's something a couple generations ago they understood. They dealt with the things in their life because they wanted nothing to hold them back. Catherine Kuhlman would often say, I die a thousand deaths before I ever step on that stage because I know that I want nothing to hinder me from moving in all that he has for me. And so we have to begin to ask the questions, God, what is it in me that I need to deal with that is keeping me from restoration? What is it in me? Is there anything? David prayed to search me. And know me, God, and see if there be any wicked way in me. We need the God kind of faith that calls into being the idea. That holds to the promise of the restoration of all things. That keeps focus towards God creating a miracle in our lives. That calls into being that which does not exist. I want to give you a simple example of how faith operates. 1 Peter 2.24 says this, By his wounds you were healed. You were healed. It's already happened. You were already healed. Yet our experience, how many of you have that? Your experience is that it's not yet. It hasn't happened yet. You you might have it up here, but it's not manifested yet. But here's the deal. Your legal right to healing was already established. But that legal right must be claimed by faith. Well, are you one of those name it and claim it? Yes. I will claim it. I will name what it says in Scripture and I will claim it and I will walk it out. What is name it and claim it when it's used wrongly? Name it and claim it is, oh, I see a Porsche. I'm going to go lay my hands on it. God, you're going to give me a Porsche. For what glory? What glory does that bring to the Father that you drive a Porsche? That doesn't matter. But when healing comes upon you, that is a testimony of the power of God that, that is a sign and a wonder to the unbeliever. See, so yeah, I'm going to name and claim the promises that I have in Scripture. I don't read that I'm going to have a nice little... I mean, they didn't even drive Porsches then. I'd have to start believing for a chariot with gold you know, lining and velvet seats and then a horse to go with it. And in Texas heat? No, thank you. But we've got to start walking out what Scripture teaches us. 
We've got to start walking out in faith these things. So what I do is I begin to say, okay, God, 1 Peter 2.24 says, by your wounds I was healed. I was already healed. And so my legal right is healing. So I begin to claim that by faith, and then I begin to pray it into existence. And the reality is, in our earth realm, our reality is that sometimes we don't get there. So what happens? I didn't get healed. I guess God doesn't heal anymore. So I'm just going to sit right here and I'm going to be immovable. And I'm going to be the rock of unbelief. And I'm just going to sit here and I'm never going to believe God for a miracle again. And then those around us go, oh yeah, they didn't get healed. And we begin to sow seeds of unbelief into people around us. And then they stop believing for their miracle. And the exact opposite of kingdom principles begins to take place in our lives. Because when we, by faith, begin to lay hold of the promise, people begin to look, how, how did they still believe after all these years that God's going to heal them? Because by faith, I possess the promise. I have to work it out. The Bible says that there's gifts of workings of miracles. Some miracles are worked. You have to work out the miracle. I mean, Abraham should not have ever had Isaac. If we really look in the natural, shouldn't have ever happened. But by faith, he possessed the promise. Sarah laughed at God, and God laughed right back. Some of you have been scoffing at the miracles God has promised you, and God's laughing going, I'm going to impart faith to you. And if you'll begin to operate out of faith... But nevertheless, even when it doesn't happen, we keep before us this ideal, the vision, the legal rights of Scripture. And I want us in 2022 to have a perspective of faith. That God, the God of restoration, has for each one of us something to be restored that has been taken from us. Some aspect of life that the devil has ruined. Some inner pain that is yet to be healed. Some external need that's yet to be met. Some promise that still needs to be fulfilled. I want you today to begin to do that. Now, Pastor Susanna, I forgot to ask you to do this beforehand. So I'm going to put you on the spot real quick. Will you go back and get some paper? And I want everyone to have a piece of paper. And today, you're going to write down your miracle that you're believing for. And we're going to put it on the altar, and we're going to pray over it. And then we're going to stand in faith. And then what we're going to do is we're going to leave them there. And when your miracle comes to pass, you're going to come find it in the pile, and we're going to hold it up and declare the testimony of God. And we're going to begin to exercise faith together as a church. We're going to begin to believe God together as a church for these miracles to come to pass because he's the God of restoration. You're going to take one thing that you need a miracle in, something intensely personal, maybe unique for your life and situation, maybe something that you gave up praying for or believing for years ago, but today you're going to come back to faith. Do you hear that? Today you're going to come back to faith. You're going to come back to the God of restoration and believe again. And some of you right now, I can feel the thoughts invading my head, but I've prayed for this and I've prayed and I've prayed and it hasn't come to pass, so I'm just not even going to put that on the paper. No, that's the one you need to put on the paper. The one that you're like, no, I'm not going to pray for that anymore. You need to put it on the paper today. And I say pray again. Let's once again adopt the God kind of faith. Let's once again call into being that which does not exist. Let's once again believe in the restoration of all things that God promises. Today is your day for the miracle to start taking place in your life. 
we're going to see miracles. I'm telling you, I feel it. I feel it in the atmosphere. I believe some of you are going to start seeing them in the next week. Jesus. Some of you, this might be a little out there. That's okay. As I was standing there, and I can see it with my eyes open right now, there are four angels that just came into the room. And they've got these baskets. And on the baskets are the words miracles. God has dispensed angels this morning to bring miracles. I can see it as clear as day. They're they're standing right in the middle of the room. I want you to stand this morning. He is the God of restoration. Now I want you to put your name on it. And we're going to fold it so that you know people don't have to read it unless you want people to read it. But I want you to put your name on it because we want to know who, whose belongs to whose. So that when your miracle happens, we're not having to search through. So maybe the practical way to do it would be put your name on the outside of the folded piece. That might be the smart way to do it. Father, you're so worthy. Pastor Hector, will you hand me the oil? This is what we're going to do. We're going to do a little different this morning. I want Pastor Hector and Suzanne, I'm going to pray over yours first, and then you're going to come stand with me. We're just going to form a line along this side of the building. You're going to bring your prayer, your miracle. We're going to come around this way. And leaders, we're going to lay hands on it. And we're going to lay them at the altar. So, Father, I thank you for Hector's miracle. I thank you for Susanna's miracle. We anoint them this morning. We thank you, Father, that as we touch and agree, shall be done for them by their Father in heaven. In Jesus' name, go ahead and lay it on the altar. Just go ahead and start coming through, church. Just stand on that side, Hector. Let's form like a little tunnel. Now, in Jesus' name, we agree. We touch and agree that it shall be done by their Father in heaven. We touch and agree that it shall be done for them by their Father in heaven. Now, Jesus. Now, Jesus. We agree this morning. Let it be done in Jesus' name. Let it be done in Jesus' name. Let it be done in Jesus' name. Let's walk this way a little bit. Now in Jesus' name. 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 
Now, in Jesus' name. Now, in Jesus' name. Now, in Jesus' name. Let it be done. Now, in Jesus' name. Now, in Jesus' name. Let it, whoo, now, in Jesus' name. Right now, in Jesus' name. Right now, Father, in Jesus' name. Right now, 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 Jesus. Right now, Jesus. In Jesus' name. Right now, in Jesus' name. Right now, in Jesus' name. Right now, in Jesus' name. Oh, Father, let it be done in Jesus' name. Right now, right now, in Jesus' name. Right now, in Jesus' name. Let it be done. Right now, in Jesus' name. Right now, Father, in Jesus' name. Right now, in Jesus' name. He's the God of restoration. He is the God of restoration. He is the God of restoration. And to those who aren't here today that you might be saying, I want in on this, email the church, info at equippingchurch.us, and we'll make sure. Oh, we didn't pray for it. In Jesus' name, let it be done. Email the church, info at equippingchurch.us. We'll print it out. We'll put it on the altar. And then as your miracle takes place, let us know. Because he's the restorer of all things. Amen. Why don't you stand this morning? Hallelujah. 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 Again, that email is info at equippingchurch.us. Info at equippingchurch.us. He's the God of restoration. If you're here this morning, you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. Oh, we've got another one. Let's pray for it. Father, let it be done in Jesus' name. If you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, I want to give you that opportunity. Best decision you could ever make in your life is to make Jesus your Lord. If you've never made a decision to follow Him this morning or at some point in your life you did, but you've walked away, this morning I want to give you that opportunity. He died on the cross for you and He rose from the dead. If that's you this morning, I want you to slip up your hand. You want to make a decision to follow Jesus this morning. You might be watching by live stream. We're going to pray this prayer together. In praying this prayer, again, if you've never made a decision, this is your moment. This is your moment to make that decision. We're going to pray a prayer together this morning. It's not the prayer that saves you. Jesus saves you. This is a good introduction to a life with him. We're going to pray together. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sin. I surrender to you. I make you my Lord. I choose to follow you, Jesus. Make me a new creation today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram or Facebook or visit www.equippingchurch.com dot us